It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies right here on the Bridge Austin Central Texas Christian Talk. It's great to have you with us this beautiful Saturday morning. I am Coach Carrie Brinkater, and I am in studio with my beautiful co-host, Kathy Enderbrock. Hey, Kathy. Hi, Coach Carrie. It is great to be with you. And we have someone in studio with us today who is going to be with us the first Saturday of every month from here on out. So, friends, this is the first Saturday of August. Now, how fast did, did July go? Uh, you know, I look back on July and just am so thankful for everything God did in that month. You know, Coach Carrie, we've been doing this series on what is God doing? Yep. And boy, I tell you, even the month of uh, the end of May, the month of June, God did something huge, huge in our nation. Yes. He did something huge in our nation. And, you know, I love that Christ himself looked to see where God was working, where his heavenly father was working, and he would go and join in on that work. Mm-hmm. And so, friends, we're going to talk today about what God is doing so that we can go and join in on that work. And we yeah. have a very special guest. Again, she's going to become a regular co-host every the first Saturday of every month on our program and she is with us this morning, Mercy Allerid. Mercy, it is so great to have you with us on Love Talk. Oh, it's great to be with you again. Excited about being on uh, every month now and uh, just engaging on what God is doing in Austin and Texas and around the world. What a great experience this will be. Well, friends, for those of you who say, Mercy Allerid, I need a little bit more background on this gal. All you need <laughs> to do is go to our, our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. Go to the search bar, type in Mercy Allerid, that's A-L-A-R-I-D, and you will pull up our last program with her where, where we introduced her to you, shared all about her background, and you are just going to have a W-O-W wow on <laughs> your lips. And so anyway, we're not mm-hmm. going to um, spend a whole lot of time um, um, getting into Mercy's background, we are going to give uh, a bit of an introduction, a summary of sorts. Yes. And uh, friends, if you do want a more thorough background, again, go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. Look up that program and you're going to learn a whole lot more. Absolutely. And you know, friends, we also are on your favorite podcast now, um, Spotify, as well as just Apple Podcasts. If you type in Love Talk, all one word, okay, Love Talk, all one word, you will find Love Talk Radio. You kind of have to be careful when you start typing in things like Love Talk, (laughs) right? Some kind of crazy things pop up, but type in Love Talk as one word, and you will find Love Talk Radio right there with a red microphone, and you'll see our smiley faces, and you can pull up all of our programs right there on the podcast. So we've made it super, super easy. And as Kathy said, you know, what what is God doing has kind of been our theme this summer, and we have discussed this question in in many different ways. But today we talk of current events, right? At the end of June, the Supreme Court of the United States ended a half-century guarantee of federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and is now allowing each state to decide whether to restrict or ban abortion or just open it up, right? It's it's up to the state. Um, already since this decision, there have been several states that have had legislation already come through. Um, our legislature is not currently meeting here in Texas, um, but several other states are. And so they've already passed some legislation, which I found very, very interesting. So this is up-to-date current events. Um, you know, What I found interesting about this, ladies, was that this draft decision was actually leaked in February, right? And no draft decision in modern history of the Supreme Court of the United States has been disclosed publicly while a case was still pending until this one. I find that very interesting. You guys have any theories about that? Mercy, Kathy? To me, it's just like the spiritual warfare that we're living through. Like you don't, you don't see that. Like you said, never in history. But this, mm-hmm. it just signals to the fact of how big this is on both ends, right? For for pro-lifers, for Christians, this is a huge issue. But for the other side, it is as well. Yeah. And we saw that in that leak. It was that big that they had to do this. That they, that we that there was a leak of this decision, so that the 
you know, the conversation could start earlier. And, you know, I don't think it was this accidental leak. I think it was no. very much a planned leak, yeah. Le- leak because it was so interesting how when it got leaked, uh, the uh, side who was very pro, what they call it, pro-choice, although we're going to look at some things that are happening, and we're, it's not really pro-choice anymore, it's pro-abortion, uh, but the pro-abortion uh, uh, side of this um just the the side of this political view on abortion and spiritual view on abortion, they were ready to go. They had their conferences all Mm -hmm. set up. They had their rallies all set up. They had their speakers all set up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if this was an accidental, unplanned leak, there's no way they could have rallied and organized Mm -hmm. that quickly. So, again, I think there there are definitely um, forces that uh, do not want this, decision to really be more in the hands of the people. And that is what this this is. I mean, I look at uh, for almost 200 years, our country really was in tow with the Declaration of Independence, which really um, sets up and defends the unalienable right to life. Mm. So it's really only been just under the last 50 years that this mm-hmm. right was taken away from the innocent who could not stand for themselves. And now that right has been given back to the states to decide, which means, friends, we have more of a voice yes. in this. Whereas before we had no voice, mm-hmm. now that it's at the state level, it really is in our hands. So whichever way you feel about this, whether pro or against, the people that you elect in that state legislature, your voice is going to make a bigger difference. Well, and today, the question that we're going to kind of bat around here between the love ladies, Kathy, Mercy, and I is, you know, if we say we're pro-life, okay, really there's three terms here, right? Pro-life, pro-choice, and pro-abortion, okay? I haven't heard a whole lot of people just come out and say, I am pro-abortion. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. use the term pro-choice, right? But if we say that we are pro-life, what are we willing to do? Where, where do we step in? Because I think that's been a really big um, kind of knee, uh, thorn in our side is, you know, my pro-choice friends have said, well, what have you been doing? Carrie, you say you're pro-life, but what have you been doing? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're just going to, you know, say you're pro-life? Do you do anything about it? Well, okay, I, I understand what they're saying. So what what are we willing to do? Are we willing to be an advocate? Are we willing to be a mentor? Are we willing to be a foster parent, an adoptive parent? You know, there's a lot of things that we can discuss um, as we really get into this topic. Okay, so we've set everything up for you, friends. If this is a topic that you would rather your children, your small children, not, not hear today, not be around today, we totally understand. So maybe you can set them up with uh, some popcorn and um, a puzzle um, in the other room um, while, while you listen to this. Because I understand this is a, a, a topic you might not be ready to discuss with your children just yet if they're if they're little. Um, but ladies, as we talk about children, what's going on in y'all's world? I mean, Kathy, school is almost ready to start. I cannot I, believe it. Our yes. babies are seniors. Our babies are seniors. Oh, wow. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, Mercy, uh, Coach Carrie and I, we uh, were in church in the in the preschool nursery changing our our youngest diapers. Kathy, and- I remember it before that. I remember us sitting in the nursing mother's room <laughs> next to each other. You've got Faithy in your rocking chair. I've got Logan in my rocking chair. And I thought you were the coolest lady. <laughs> and I was just rocking my little boy, my giant boy he was never little okay (laughs) rocking my little boy and um i was just so thankful to be able to get to know you as we uh held those sweet and precious babies in that room so yeah Yeah, so many many years ago well like 17 years ago (laughs) and so now they are seniors going into their last year of high school together they had such a fun time faithy she 
told us uh, towards the end of the junior year, probably about April or May, she says, yes, uh, my one request for this summer is that I get to go and spend time with Logan Brinkater. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I said, I think That's we can make that happen. Yeah, they're super sweet. Of course, Logan's 6'5", and Faith is about, what, 5'6"? <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're kind of funny. He can put his elbow on the top now, of her head. <laughs> now, Mercy, what about, because Carrie has two, I have three, and I think you beat us, don't you? No, I actually have three. Okay. I always picture you with four. Okay. Yeah. Three. I have, oh, well, that's good. But no, I have three and uh, my oldest is starting college in the fall. Oh. So that's a new transition. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. just uh, in everything, you know, I'm 18 and uh, I can do what I want kind of a thing. And then. Uh, you know, a day later, mom, can I do this? Which is it? Which is it? You know, <laughs> I have an 18-year-old as well. She will he- be heading to college in the fall as well. So I hear uh, you. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Yeah, it's a new it's a new opportunity to say God help. Yeah. Because you, 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 you know, you get into these ruts. Of, I know this. I know this age group. I know what, you know, how much they can take. I know how to lead them. And then you get to just a new level and you go, Lord, I don't know how to lead my child. And this is my firstborn. So it's a a new learning experience, how to become, I'll always be a mom, but it's more of a coaching, you know, like it's not like, yeah, this is what you need to do and you're going to do it to, hey, this is what I suggest you do. This is why. And then you're, you know, you're going to make your decisions. And so that's been a little um, tough and also drawing me close to Jesus. It really has. And then my other two, one is in middle school and one is in high school. So you know, we're going through preparation for school. So. Yeah, I think with that first one, you're like, Lord, I need help now. Now. Like, I need help now <laughs> yes, because yesterday. I don't know what to do right now. Yes. God, change him. God, change her. <laughs> right? And he's like, no, let's talk about you. <laughs> you know, I kind of went through this. You know, Mackenzie has been in Hawaii for three weeks. She did this work exchange program. And one day while she was there, she called us. And she had picked up two, like, hitchhikers okay they weren't really hitchhikers they were girls that they were young women they were like in their late teens early 20s who were on a little hike um, and their hike ended up being much further than they thought it was going to be and so they kind of flagged Mackenzie down at the post office and she was like oh they look harmless you know they just had little fanny packs on it's not like they were carrying suitcases or luggage or anything like that but um her dad and I Mackenzie we were just kind of like oh my well as we listened to her tell us this story on the phone we're like oh oh okay oh okay because you can't what what are we gonna say yeah I mean we just said all right baby well I, that worked out pretty well for you. She goes, oh, I made new friends. And we're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Jesus, no. keeping her safe. Yeah. Yeah. She said, I checked it out, Mom. They weren't carrying any bags. They looked safe. So, yes, Mercy, it's more about guidance, I yeah. think, these days for sure. Well, and it's preparing them for this moment. I mean, everything happens in those 18 years leading up to this, and you just hope that you have prepared them well. And so, Mercy, we're going to get into this conversation about um, what is God doing in the fight for life. It is a battle. And just a little refresher with all of our listeners um, who maybe weren't with us last time that you were with us, I want to share a little bit about your background because it's just, it's mind-blowing to me. You are the Vice President of Equipping and Communication at America Praise, married to Brian Allerid, the President and CEO of that same organization, And as you said, you have three beautiful children and are raising them to be just fully devoted disciples of Christ, beautiful kids. And for the last 24 years, your just multifaceted experience has included founding Bible schools in several nations, co-founding and co-pastoring Passion Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, serving as an adjunct professor at Regent University in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Central New Mexico Community College in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you are also the founder of Virtuous Women, a movement that unites women in prayer, equips them to discover their virtue in Christ, and empowers them to disciple others. We are going to have an amazing uh, discussion, friends. And you may be trying to consider, where are you in this? Are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? Are you pro-abortion? What do each of those mean? And if you are pro-life, how pro-life are you? What does that mean to you? 
And maybe what is God calling you to step up and do in response to that conviction? Well, friends, Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like Mm -hmm. arrows in the hands of a warrior. So are the... Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You found the love, ladies. Coach Carrie Brinkater here with Kathy Indebrock and Mercy Allered. We are discussing today the fight for life. As we have explored this question for the last couple of months, what is God doing? And I I hope this series has not only blessed you, but maybe... Um, brought up some questions in your mind about what is God doing? You know, early on, I said, sometimes this question comes out of my my mouth, Lord, what are you doing? Right? <laughs> and then other times I look at a situation going on around me, whether it's in my family or my community or my state, and I go, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Let's, let, let's look at this. Um, so, what is God doing in this decision that we have seen as a, the Supreme Court of the United States ended a half-century guarantee of federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and is now allowing each state to decide whether to restrict or ban abortion? And if we go back to our key verse verses for today from Psalm, Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the room of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Okay, so mercy, this decision's handed down the last week of June, and we see uh states being um granted uh the 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 decisions, right, at this point, they can decide whether to restrict or ban abortion or, or anywhere on that scale. So as a whole, Mercy, what do you think this means for our nation, for our country? First of all, I think that the voice, we were just given a voice, all of us. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about pro-lifers here. I'm talking about every person in the United States now has a voice on this issue because Roe versus Wade made it. You know, a, a blanket statement that abortion was legal in every state. There was no question about it. That was the law of the land. And when the justices turned this back to the states, it means that people in every state now have a voice mm-hmm. for or against or neutral. You sure. have a voice now. And that is something to celebrate in our democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, what else it means in our country is that it reframes the conversation. If you go look at the decision, at the language that was used in that decision, the conversation was completely reframed. And there's actually a, a news article from this last weekend on CNN that mm-hmm. it says how the, how the court upended the conversation on abortion. Whereas mm-hmm. before in the Roe versus Wade case, it was uh, the conversation was around the fetus. Right. The decision that came with Dobbs now says Justice Alito referred to it as uh, the unborn human being. Uh I love that. The unborn human being. So now we get to discuss that. I'm not saying that it's like what the justices did wasn't just say abortion is illegal. We know that. Right. Right. If you're following this case, if you read just a little bit of it, we know it's not illegal now. But the conversation is out there, and we can actually begin from that decision to say, hey, we're talking about an unborn human being, not a lump of tissue, not just a fetus, which is an okay term, but it's an unborn human being. The conversation has just drastically Mm -hmm. changed, Mm -hmm. and now we have a voice in our state houses, in our churches, in Mm -hmm. our families, in conversations that that we can have now that before were just like, okay, well, you can have all the conversations you want. But nothing is going to change. Now things can change, and we can change it with our voice. Well, and I think it's a good point, Mercy, right? We see we see a lot of um, vitriol on the other side. Is that the right word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Venom. Absolutely. There we go. Venom uh, on, on, on the other side. But really, just like you just stated that so eloquently, this gives everyone a voice now. And that's, I mean, isn't that the beauty of America? That's a beauty of this country is the freedom mm-hmm. to not only have our opinions and thoughts, right? But now, okay, you actually get to vote. 
I am sure <laughs> that in Texas at some point we, we will be voting. I know that um, Austin City Council met at the end of July and they hadn't met in a while. But four of the five items on the agenda were dealing with abortion mm-hmm. in some form or, the, or another. And that was the Austin City Council. So I'm sure that all over our nation, city councilors are meeting and, you know, the governor's offices are meeting and legislatures are meeting to see what next steps are for their state. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I think, like, I agree with you, Mercy. God, what, when we talk about what is God doing, he is exposing the hearts of man. And I think that, you know, those who have called themselves pro-choice, it's making them really take a close look at, okay, what what does the pro-choice platform truly, what, what is the heart of that platform? Because we have seen in these last few weeks that it has been venomous. They have been burning down pregnancy help centers, women's health centers, burning them down, vandalizing them, making women unsafe to go into them. Whereas if they were truly interested in choice, in helping women, in being an advocate for women, why would they go and burn down a solution that the women would have to seek after their health? And I mean, they're doing this in poor neighborhoods, middle income, lower middle income neighborhoods, where those women are desperate, who want a choice, who want help, who want life for that baby. Now, those choices are being taken away from them. So to me, it's really exposing that people, many, many, many on the pro-choice side really are not pro-choice. They are pro-abortion because only a pro-abortion who really wants abortion to be the only option, only that heart of a man exposed or a woman exposed would burn down mm-hmm. something that could help uh, one of the fellow, their fellow man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how strongly they feel about it. Mm-hmm. We can disagree with that, but we can look at their fervor and go, what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. If they're as, as passionate about giving people the choice of an abortion, and that would be the only choice, right? Because that's what they're doing mm-hmm. by burning down pregnancy centers. How, how uh, hot are we in the level of temperature of our pro-life stances? If they're willing to go to that extent, how far are we going to go in our extent to, to fight for life? Mm-hmm. In our, and, and on our end, obviously, uh, we would never call for violence or anything mm-hmm. like that. But can we even have simple conversations around the table? Can, can churches have a conversation about you know, what, what abortion is like? Uh, and not necessarily just graphic things, but uh, compare it to the word and, 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 and offer other solutions. Are we going to, to begin supporting pregnancy centers the way that the church should be supporting mm-hmm. them, right? Uh, every year, pregnancy centers are struggling to keep their doors open. Are we going to support them? If others attack them, are we going to support them? And I think, you know, we can, we can look at that and go, that's terrible. Yes, it is. But what are we going to do on the other end to, to be as adamant about life as they are about death. And I think that's a good question to begin asking ourselves, each other, and really the church at large here in the state of Texas and all, all across the United States. I, that's an excellent mm-hmm. point. Are we willing to go mm-hmm. to those fundraisers for pregnancy help centers? Are we willing to put a bag of diapers and some formula in our grocery cart every single week and bring them? Are we willing to go and be a foster parent? Are we willing to go and bring meals to those who are foster parents within our church? Are we willing to have foster care support groups within our church, adoption support groups in our church? Are we even willing to raise awareness, as you're saying, and have these discussions within our church just to educate the body of Christ on what opportunities are out there to go in now stand in this gap because truly it is now a mission field there it there is a generation of babies who are not going to be murdered to this point we have murdered 63 million babies in less than 50 years mm. less than 50 years 63 million babies I, you know whenever someone talks to me about covid 
I do kind of get my little things up and I say, you know what, don't talk to me about COVID. Let's talk about abortion, 63 million lives. You know, there's nothing mm. compares to that type of, of uh, loss of life than abortion. And so now we're going to have an entire generation of babies that God has an incredible plan for. Do we want to see what God is doing with that plan and step in and work alongside him? Yes. Mm-hmm. If you remember in the fight for, well, not for, but against slavery, what stopped first was the slave trade, right? That was what mm-hmm. stopped first. Mm-hmm. But people could still have slaves for centuries that that, that remained there. Mm-hmm. And then and then as, as people advocated against slavery and began talking about the inhumane nature of slavery and talking about the, the, the imago Dei, right, the image of God in these human beings, little by little things began changing and we ended in the abolition of slavery. And we can look at this decision and go, well, that's so little. Now the decision is going back to the states. But this is a, a, an incredible victory mm-hmm. for uh, the pro-life movement and for life, for the life of babies, right? This uh, has sent this decision to the states. And now the fight is, which it has always been, I think, but in, in states like Texas, for example, I think we're further along because we know that things are going to be put in place here to where uh, abortion is illegal. It, can it be uh, enforced? We need to pray that, that that can be enforced in in cities like Austin, right? But the fight has always been, but now more so than ever in states like Texas, to make abortion not just illegal but unthinkable. That's mm. where we need to go. It, it's it, the fight doesn't stop. Like in Texas, we could just go, okay, well, it's illegal now. We can just rant and rave, and we can say we're pro-life. It's popular here, right? Or yeah, more popular than in other states. But that's not it. That's not it. We have to speak to our to the church first and foremost, because judgment begins at the church, and then to culture mm. and go. It's not just about the slave trade. It's not just about stopping uh, abortion, right? Com- comparing slavery and abortion, but it's to to make it unthinkable. To this day, to, to buy a, a slave, all of us, secular and 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 born again and religious, would go. What are you thinking of? Like that is unthinkable we don't do that in that this is society. inhumane that is immoral yes, yes you would never think of it 1863 we were still fighting that we were mm-hmm. still fighting that but now it's unthinkable could we believe the lord to do that in our lifetime or maybe in our children's lifetime to the point where abortion also becomes unthinkable that's where the fight needs to go mm-hmm. and it starts at the church you know mm-hmm. we, we were talking before this radio program and we said you know as many girls in the church, as there are in in uh, outside the church, are having abortions. the mm-hmm. The rates are the same. Mm-hmm. The problem is not out there. The problem is within the doors of the church, right? That that our girls are having abortions at the same rate as girls outside of church are having abortions. So, what does that mean for us? Where do we go from here? How do we help our girls understand that abortion is not a solution but a problem? in their lives from a place of grace and mercy and i think you know god says that i am your ever present help in time of need and i tell you there is no more ever present help in time of need than when a young woman finds herself married or excuse me um pregnant and unmarried and does not know where to go and what to do And so, I mean, friends, obviously we want to get to the point where we don't have unwed pregnancy, right? We really want to turn to God's plan. God's plan is the best that says, hey, sex is an amazing, wonderful thing. I can speak from experience, but also it's more amazing, more wonderful, more incredible if you wait till you're married. And then Mm -hmm. it's just blessing upon blessing upon blessing with no negative consequences. But Mm -hmm. sex before marriage can have devastating, life-altering consequences, right? So we want to step into that gap and and talk with our kids, but also understanding that our kids make bad decisions. Of course, we made bad decisions. I made bad decisions that God saved me from consequences of, but others, they have the full consequence. So let's step in, not with condemnation, not with judgment, but with grace and mercy and be that ever-present help in time of need and be like our Heavenly Father. Well, and I I would love if our girls that are within the church, when they, if 
they find themselves in this situation that the very people who have been mentoring them that they could run to and say, oh, man, I think I'm pregnant, right? Now then, Mercy, like you said, obviously, we we don't want that happening, right? That We know that that is mm-hmm. not God's plan, ultimate, beautiful, lovely plan for our lives. But I also want us to be very careful here, Christians, that, you know, I've seen this go down both ways. I've mm-hmm. seen young girls get pregnant and parents absolutely flip out. Mm-hmm. And um, kick the kid out, say, we're not going to support you, you know, uh, or they hide it. They hide it, they hide it, they hide it, right? Okay, I understand that. I, I Like, I, I, you know, I, I say I understand that, but I, I guess from a place, and in one place I do understand that. And then I've seen it go the other way. A girl comes to parents, hey, I found myself in this situation, and parents go, okay, well, what's done is done. How do we move forward? Yes. Right? And we move forward. Okay, baby. Well, we're going to we're we're gonna take these steps. Let's get you some help. Um, and we're gonna love you through this. Parents, it's a it's a difficult place to be. And I, you know, it, if I think about myself and you know, I could have been that girl going to my parents. And, you know, I just, I pray that that's never one of my children coming to me like that outside of marriage. But I want us to think about what our response would be and um, how do we mentor young women who have found themselves in this place? Yes. Right? In the church, how do we come in and step alongside, come along beside and be somebody who can mentor and come along beside you know even before this happens like mercy you're talking about so how do we mercy as as christians if we're looking at mentoring if we're looking at as you say stemming the tide if we're looking at education if we're looking at how to talk to young women and men about this Mm -hmm. where, where do we go from here you know first my my heart and my mind go to what you were saying about how in the church we we can be so judgmental, mm-hmm. right, if a girl is found in this uh, situation. Mm-hmm. But just listen to what our, I don't know, maybe your parents didn't say, but but my parents, you know, my mom was in church, and the conversation in the church was, if you if you have sex before marriage, you are you can get pregnant, and you're going to ruin your life. That was what was told to me. Ruin your life. And so, yes. okay, just that frame of that conversation opens the door for a girl to go, I'm pregnant. My life is going to be ruined. What, are you, what do I do? Yeah. Fix it. I'm going to go have an abortion because of the way we framed the conversation in the church. A pregnancy does not ruin your life. Mm-hmm. It does not. It, it, it may come earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then God wanted you to become pregnant. But if we call uh, our, our babies problems mm-hmm. and, and, and obstacles, that's part of the reason why our girls are going, okay, that you told me. That this would ruin my mm. life, so I I have to go do something about it. And so, y- do we need to mentor the girls? Yes, but I, I think mentoring starts with parents as well, and with and with the family at large, and with the churches to go reframe your conversation. Mm. You know, did did pregnancy ruin your life? Because it because it didn't. It didn't ruin your life. And there's a community around you that will help. You know what I tell mm. you? I have never met more broken women than those who have had an abortion Mm -hmm. and don't know how to get past it. But I have never known a broken woman who had a baby as a young, uh, a young mom out of wedlock, you know, 10 years later, who wasn't saying, look at what God has done. Yeah, that's right. But I have known women who 10 years out, 15 years out, they still have not gotten over Mm -hmm. that abortion. So true. Um, I read a, uh, just a case about this girl who um, got pregnant and the dad was so upset at her and said, you need to have an abortion. And she said, no, I, I my body, my choice, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have an abortion. And the mom was for her. And the mom said, no, let her keep the baby. And the dad said, if you, and this is the reality, mm-hmm. we're not, 
This is not uh, something up in the sky. No, this is reality. This is what happens to girls and why they, they choose to have abortions. So the dad said, if you don't have an abortion, you can't live here. Oh. Right? The, the, the mom said, I want you here, but I can't do anything because your dad won't let you live here. So I'm sorry, honey. I'll try to figure out how to help you. She went to her boyfriend, and the boyfriend said, no, you can't live with me unless you have an abortion. Talk about pressure mm. from, from both sides. The dad, the boyfriend, she had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Mm. So she asked, what do I do? I'm, I'm, I, she was young, had no education, no job. So she went to the pregnancy center. And at the pregnancy center, they said, you can, it, it, that was a pregnancy center that had a, a pregnancy uh, help uh, center. Yes, yes, exactly. And so they had a, a home. They had actually a, a neighborhood of homes mm-hmm. where these girls could live. She stayed there for three years. Mm. You know, we that's not talked about. Pregnancy centers, you hear the conversation about, well, they're going to help them until until they give birth, and then that's it. That is not true. Mm-hmm. These pregnancy centers help way further, way past the, mm-hmm. the due date of a baby. So she stayed there for three years, learned how to cook, learned how to uh, do a budget, got a job, got on her feet, and then now is restored to her father. Love The, mm-hmm. the father loves the grandbaby now, would give his left arm for mm-hmm. the baby now, right? The, the the boyfriend is not in her life anymore. But, you know, uh, that something needs to change in, in, in parents' minds because the pressure doesn't just, it's not just with girls. The pressure comes, and sadly to say, comes from men. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a women's choice. Many times the choice is made by the men in their lives, whether a father, a boyfriend, sadly a pimp, or whoever it is that is in their lives, they make the choice for them. And these girls, mm-hmm. we're not talking about infidels here. Girls are not infidels in this. They are the victims. Mm-hmm. Every person that decides to have an abortion, in my estimation, is a victim. Victim of the pressures of society. Victims of the, what they have been taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many things that, that we could talk about. But all those things, we have to reframe the conversation in churches. And that starts in the pulpit. It starts by pastors kind of talking about it openly and opening the scriptures not in a judgmental way but in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that is full of grace saying this is what we need to teach our girls fathers this is this is mm-hmm. who you need to be for your girls that actually do get into that situation mothers this is what you can do and this is what our church is willing to do for them as well mm-hmm. you know i've always thought it's interesting that jesus has made it very very clear that um he has come that you would have life and life abundantly and the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Mm -hmm. And so, friends, I think when you look at Scripture, it becomes abundantly clear where God's heart is on this issue. Well, you know, and I don't want to be so naive as to say that every girl that gets pregnant, you know, was being promiscuous and, you know, just sleeping around and, oh, all of a sudden, you know, and so, you know, eventually she was going to get pregnant. No, we, I, and I, all of us here in this room understand that there are many tragedies out there and women uh, become pregnant, girls become pregnant because of sexual abuse, because of um, horrible, horrible situations. Okay. And for me, you know, for years, I thought, oh, gosh, Lord, like, that is just the worst situation ever. I can almost understand a woman wanting to have an abortion if that happens to her. And then I watched um, some documentaries on women and just different situations with pregnancies and pregnancies that they knew they were carrying a baby that had um, some kind of birth defect, right? Mm-hmm. Or they had gotten pregnant through a, a rape, a sexual assault. I mean, horrible things y'all and God redeemed those situations in ways that I can't even begin to describe you know just beauty from ashes you know a baby is still a baby whether that baby has some kind of um, learning challenge or whether that baby um, unfortunately was made through uh, an event that was traumatic like that is still a life. And I know that sounds crazy to most people. But I just don't want to pretend like those things don't happen. Because we all know that they do. Yes. And those are so hard. Friends, when we return to Love Talk, 
we're going to continue to discuss this, y'all, about the fight for life and what is God doing? What is God doing in our families, in our state, in our nation with this decision by the Supreme Court that affects every single one of us? Um, friends, you're going to hear from our wonderful, amazing sponsors um, during this break, and we pray that that you will support those sponsors. They are so gracious to you uh, to support Love Talk and to support your friends here at Love Talk. So you'll have more from the Love Ladies right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. Coach Carrie Brinkader here with Kathy Enderbrock and Mercy Allered as we discuss today the fight for life. What is God doing in the recent Supreme Court decision to end the half-century guarantee of federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and now really throwing that decision back to the states, um, which gives all of us, a decision to make, I'm sure, at the polls. Now, Mercy, you used a term in, in the break that I, I really feel like just really puts the pulse on this um, this whole argument. You used the term the tentacles of abortion. What do you what do you mean by that? I think that that's one of the things that God is doing uh, today. Is when, once this decision came down. And we knew that abortion was now a matter of um, states deciding on it. Then this conversation came up and we could see the reality of what is out there Mm -hmm. and how abortion has poisoned our whole culture. It is not about reproductive rights, like how Mm -hmm. how we're hearing it. It has poisoned every single aspect of our culture. It's obviously poisoned our thinking when you think about it. When you, when you hear uh, people in the media and interviews, it's like the end of the world because if we don't have abortion, right? If we don't have abortion, then, then society and civil society is over. Like we, we must have an abortion clinic. Uh, on every corner, like we have public restrooms. That's that's how they, they talk about it. And so it's infiltrated our thinking. It's infiltrated our relationships, right? It, it has, uh, it puts um, abortion, the reality of it, puts adult mm. happiness over the rights of women and children, right? Mm. Because really, uh, you know, the abortion is largely, it's not rare anymore, right? But it's largely a solution uh, when people want to, and not, I, I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody, but it has given permission to men and women to have sex whenever and with whoever and however they want. Mm-hmm. And so now abortion is a solution to that. And so we have prioritized adult happiness, do whatever you want, whenever you want it, over the lives of babies and women. It has uh, poisoned our politics. We see that. I don't think I have to go further to know mm-hmm. that it has poisoned our politics. It has poisoned our business. We see it. Now, when this decision came down, businesses are now saying, right, abortion is good for business because pregnant women cost more. They miss more work. And so we want them to abort. And we're going to, to we, mm-hmm. we're going to fly these women to other states. We're going to pay for it because we can't take the cost of, of babies. Right. So mm. it's infiltrated and poisoned our businesses. It's poisoned our strategies, how, how we deal with problems in our city. Just throw a pill at it. Just throw an operation. Just go have an abortion. Then we don't have to fix poverty. We don't have to fix the abuse of men towards women. We don't have to fix incest. We don't have to fix rape. We don't have to fix all those things because there's a pill and there's a medical uh, procedure that fixes everything. We don't have to fix sex trafficking. Correct. Mm. And so, you know, uh, these are all tentacles of abortion that we... We didn't, well, some of us didn't know existed. Now we see them everywhere, right? The conversation is front and center, and we see it in every aspect of society. And now it's the ball is in our court, and now what are we going to do about it? Mm. Whether you are in business, in politics, um, in your family, in um uh, in counseling, it affects you, you and know, the people I, that you deal with. I think it's so interesting because we have to remember the first 200 years of our nation, abortion was unconscionable. Mm-hmm. No, right. I mean, it was, it, everyone understood it was immoral. It was wrong. It was evil. You would never consider doing it. And after Roe v. Wade, we just look at, you know, you look at everything that has happened in our country with Roe v. Wade since we have now gone from, uh, 
you know, this perspective of killing a an unborn child being evil to killing an unborn child being an easy solution. So um, I I think you're right. It is there are the tentacles of abortion and. um, Well, and it it just goes to Mercy when you were saying all of that, it, it just reminded me of we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Kathy. We live in this, you know, fast food instant society, right? You know, everything's yes. instantly at your fingertips. Food, any kind of knowledge I can get right now, right this very second, on any topic on the planet, I can look it up right now on my phone. And I can have an answer within the next 10 seconds. And so, uh, ironically, now we're treating babies like that. Yes. It's an instant fix. Like you said, take this pill, have this procedure, it will instantly be fixed, it will all go away. It's just it is another marker of this I've got to have it now instant society and yes. and please me now. Yes. Right? I, I need this. I mean, gosh, we have Amazon and if it takes more than three days to get here, we think that's really long time. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, wow, that's a that's an eye opener for me. Is it's it's a really uh it's a marker. It's just another marker of this fast food instant society that we have. So Mercy, okay. So we have all of these tentacles. You you listed, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight things that I hadn't really thought of. Business. I, I mean, I hadn't thought about that one. And the cost of women, you know, being out to have a baby. Okay, but now where do we go here? We're in this post-Rose society now. Where, where how do we, well, we're, we're not preparing anymore. Right. We're, we're here. <laughs> we're here. What's next? We, like you said, we are here. Yeah. And so now we have to step up and, and do something about the reality that we live in. In some states, uh, abortion will be banned altogether, will be limited, right? And so the fight there is different than in states where it's completely legal and, and everything else. And so, so what do we do? I think for all of us, if you haven't gotten involved in the pro-life movement, this is the time to, to become really pro-life with your voice, with your money, with your time, with everything that you have, because this is a, this is a problem about uh, human beings, how we define. What we think about abortion says a lot about what we think human beings are. Mm. What we think about abortion says a lot about what we think human beings are. And in our Christian context and belief system, we know that, that humans are made in the image of God. That is why we are valuable, mm-hmm. because God made us in his image. No other being in, in nature has that privilege and that right. And so the first thing that we need to do is study. I want to recommend a book. It's called Tearing Us Apart. Tearing Us Apart, How Abortion Hurts Everything and Solves Nothing. It is a brilliant, brand-new book from Dr. Ryan Anderson and Alexandria DeSantis, Tearing Us Apart. It will, it will educate you on the uh, issues of abortion with, with factual statements, statistics, uh, a biblical worldview, so that you know what conversations to have with, really, your children, with your family, and then wherever you are in business, um, and also, you know, uh, I can say study, be prepared to have conversations, be prepared for persecution and be okay with it. Uh, Jesus did say in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't mm-hmm. say I will keep you safe. He just didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But he said you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome that world that gives you trouble. Mm-hmm. And so prepare for that. Prepare to be shunned by friends. Prepare to to um, to uh, not have the job opportunities that you thought you would have. I mean, that's the reality. I, I, that just happened to uh, to somebody that I know that actually lost a promotion and lost a huge job because that job entailed providing abortion to the whole company. And she mm-hmm. just said, I'm not going to do it, left that the job. That That's pro-life to me, wow. right? Mm-hmm. She didn't have to say anything. She just said, I'm going to recuse myself from this position. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- we must volunteer uh, at, at pregnancy centers, support mothers in need. But um, if I have time to do this real quick is there were two generations, Moses' generation and Jesus' generation, where genocide of kids was was a reality for them, right, where kids were, where babies were being killed. And in those two, we see two people. We see Miriam who was an advocate. She saw Moses, right, on the mm-hmm. river and advocated for him with Pharaoh's daughter and said, hey, can you help him? And Pharaoh's daughter saved him, and we know who Moses became. In Jesus' generation, we see Joseph, who adopted 
somebody that was not his child. Jesus was Jesus was Mary's child, but Joseph had nothing to do with it. But he adopted him and mm. kept him safe from the genocide that was occurring. Mm. And I believe this is this is the third generation where genocide is occurring on a massive scale. And we have those two same options: we can either advocate, or we can we can adopt and parent. And advocate is means using your voice, studying, using your voice wherever you can, serving, helping. And then there's the parenting. Right. Mm -hmm. There are uh, 400,000 foster children in America on average. Uh, Take a guess of how many churches are in America. 400,000. 400,000 churches. (laughs) If every church in America, just one family in every church in America fostered a child, we would have no foster children in America. 400,000 children, one per church. I'm not saying every family because that's not the call of every family, but every church can foster one child. One family fosters, the rest of the families provide respite, provide meals, provide comfort, encouragement, support, whatever they need, this problem would be over. I mean, the church, honestly, is the hope of the world. If we would just do what we need to do, whether it is to, to advocate or to, or to adopt. And that adopt can mean you can adopt a child or you can foster a child, or you can support, be a support system for the people that are adopting or foster. We can do this. We wow. can do this. That gave me goosebumps as you talked about that. I, My number for churches in America was going to be a lot higher, but it's exactly, wow, 400,000-ish. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Friends, we just want to give you some resources here. There um, is a Pregnancy Help Center of Williamson County. Um, also in Williamson County, there's the maternity home. It's the Annunciation Maternity Home. This is a place in Georgetown where young women who have found themselves uh, pregnant outside of wedlock and no place to go um, can actually live here. You apply. Uh, they will let a woman and her child live there until that child is two years old. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. The Trotter House. Uh, Agape Pregnancy Resource Center, as well as TexasPregnancy.org. These are all good resources. And friends, we will go ahead and put each of those on our Facebook page at Love Talk Radio. Well, we are at the end of our program. We love you, friends. We just thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Saturday, the first Saturday of August. Come see us on Facebook at Love Talk Radio. It's been it's been a great hour with you. God bless your week as you move forward. From Coach Carrie Brinkater, I'm Kathy Enderbrock and uh, Mercy Allered. We love you and look forward to being with you on Love Talk next week.